Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process. As I figure out ways to keep my own home under control, I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people, people who don't love cleaning and organizing. Thanks for joining me. This is podcast number 120, and I'm calling it giving up on dreams or something like that. Um, because that is the reality of decluttering sometimes. So, okay. Uh, before I get to the subject of today's podcast, I wanted to read you a review that just came in. All right. Five stars. Thank you. Uh, and the review is titled, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love this book. Thank you, Dana. I have finally found out there is nothing wrong with me. I just need to change the way I think about things. I remember a time when my house was spotless, but as more babies came along, so did all that stuff. I knew it had to go, but it was too overwhelming to even start. I'm not there yet, but every time I donate a bag of clothes or throw out a box of stuff, I feel a weight lifted off my shoulders. As the spaces are opening up in my home, my mind is also becoming clearer. I'm making a difference and there is a transformation happening. This book has changed my life. Uh, Okay, so I should have said what the name of the book was before I started, but I am also the author of the book, How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. You can get that um, wherever books are sold. I have links to lots of different places at aslobcomesclean.com slash book. Um, that is the guide for you to get your home under control no matter what state it is in. No matter how overwhelmed you are, I've been there and the book is written to help you get your own home under control. Okay. So I am talking today about giving up on a dream. This was a question that one of you sent me. Thank you to those of you who send me questions or podcast suggestions. I can't tell you how many times, um, I, well, you could probably count it up because I've said it, but anyway, I have gone into my email in my little folder that I call podcast ideas and it helps me so much. So if you have podcast suggestions, please send them to me at aslobcomesclean. I'm sorry, aslobcomesclean at gmail.com or Dana at aslobcomesclean.com, whatever is easier for you to remember. But if you can do that, I would, I greatly appreciate it when people send those in. Okay. So this person asks, I was wondering if you could do a podcast on a decluttering issue I'm having. I've been decluttering like crazy lately and donating a ton of my son's clothes, baby toys, my nursing pillow, etc. that I've been saving in hopes of having a second child. I wanted a second child. My husband didn't, but I've been hoping that would change. I'm now 47. My son is eight and I'm finally accepting the reality that my dream is never going to happen. I'm pushing through with decluttering this stuff and also saving those truly special items but it's been really emotional for me and I'm grieving. I guess the question is how to get through decluttering when it means you're facing reality and giving up on a dream. It would also be relevant to someone decluttering craft projects, working workwear for a career that didn't work out, exercise equipment, items from a failed marriage, wherever, whatever. I listened to your clutter guilt podcast, but it didn't really address this. Um, okay. So This is such a total reality for those of us who struggle to declutter. 
Okay. Um, you know, I've talked about normal friend before. That's a friend of mine who does not struggle with clutter at all. Um, she is much more likely to just get rid of things. Um, I remember her talking about, um, how in some ways it was actually an issue for her in the other direction. Her grandfather had had these, and I don't remember the exact story, but anyway, he'd had these dolls for like that he collected or something like that on his world travels. He traveled a lot and had sent to her when she was a kid. And somehow she ended up with them in her house. I guess maybe her parents got rid of them or something. And, um, and she just gave them all to Goodwill because she was just like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just going to get rid of it. And then later thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But she was still okay. And and this is one of those things I've said before when I specifically talk about her. And what I notice in people who live in homes without clutter, like truly without clutter, their default is to get rid of something. Like if they don't know what to do with it, they get rid of it. People like me, if we don't know what to do with it, we keep it because we think, well, I don't know what to do. So obviously I have to keep it because if it's gone, it's gone. If I keep it, then I can always make that decision later. But people whose homes are always under control, are always clutter-free, default to deciding they would rather live with regret than live with clutter. So their default is to get rid of stuff. So while I will never be that person... Um, I have to look at that and go, okay, I want the clutter free home. So I can't just do things the way that I used to do them, which was hold on to it because of all the maybes and because of all the unsurety, uncertainty and unsureness, whatever. Anyway, because I, you know, I would just hold on to everything because I wasn't confident about whether or not it should go. So Instead, trying to look at things differently. But I love this question because I get it. And I have been there. So I'm going to do two sections in this. Um, I think it's only going to be one podcast, but you know me. Sometimes I'll get to talking and then I'll go, okay, we'll do the next podcast about this. Anyway, but the two sections that I'm going to talk about are um, small dreams and big dreams. Okay, like there's... I love that the person who wrote the question acknowledged that this would also be relevant to decluttering craft projects, decluttering workwear for a career. Cause it's funny because I hadn't even reread that part. And as I'm making notes about what I'm going to say, I, which I have notes today, that's always exciting. Right. Um, but as I was making notes, I was thinking of, yeah, those things are the, it's the same concept. It's that not knowing the future and dreaming about what might happen in the future and that causing me to, to not be able to get rid of things or causing it, causing a lot of pain when I get rid of things. Okay. So what I'm going to do is talk about small dreams first. So there's little things. I have a post that I share on Facebook pretty frequently. Um, and it's from the very beginning of the blog. It actually was written in, oh goodness. It was written in 2010 in January. Well, I started this blog, this whole deslobification process in August of 2009. So we are about five, six months. I don't want to do the math. Anyway, a, you know, less than half a year 
into me really seeking to change my home. The way that I changed my home, first of all, I started on habits. I started on daily things that I had never done daily before and saw this major impact on on my home through those. But then I also uh, was decluttering partly because the daily things were freeing up a lot of time for me to declutter, but I also knew I just had way too much stuff. So I was decluttering. So this is about six months in. And I remember this, you know, going through things and just being like, wait a minute, do I, do I really have to get rid of this? Because if I get rid of this, am I admitting that I'm never going to be the person I was dreaming of being when I bought this? at a garage sale. Okay. And I'm just talking about garage sales really quick. I love garage sales. I mean, like I'm looking outside right now. I don't know if you could hear the birds singing, but I mean, it's, you know, it's early February, so it's totally spring in Texas, but whatever. Um, you know, I'm looking outside and the sky is blue and the word garage sale just crossed my mind. And it just kind of gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. Like I, love going to garage sales. And there was a time in my life where I was obsessed with going to garage sales. Like I passionately loved going. I mean, we're talking, couldn't even sleep on Friday night because I had mapped out and I'm not kidding when I say mapped out, I had mapped out my plan for the next day like looked up where, where houses were and decided where I was going first and how, anyway, yeah, I'd numbered everything in the paper. So thinking about, God, I gotta get there. I gotta get there. I gotta get there. Okay. You know, and just, Oh, what if, what if this thing that they casually mentioned in their ad in the paper is gone by the time I get there? And anyway, I loved garage sales and I loved the possibilities that they represented. And when things were only 25 cents, 50 cents, I justified I now realize I should not have justified, but I justified buying things because like it was only 25 cents and it sparked a feeling of creativity and possibility in me. So let's say it was some entire set of stamps. Yes, actually I did have that. Anyway, this entire set of stamping stuff, stamping meaning, you know, like crafty, you put ink on it and you stamp stuff and create. So I, you know, it's not just like the person who really does love stamping. And so they go to the craft store and they buy one at a time and gradually their, um, their craft stuff, you know, grows and becomes, Oh, maybe I should declutter a little bit. No, I started (laughs) with the entire set that someone else was decluttering. You know, somebody else had given up on this dream of stamping. And so I go and I buy two full gallon size Ziploc bags full of stamps at one time for like a dollar. Did I wake up that morning thinking about how I would like to start stamping? No, I did not. But when I saw it, I went, well, now, you know what I would like to do? I would like to stamp things. I don't know what I would stamp but I know I could come up with something and wouldn't it be nice for that to be there. So for me personally, the whole going through my house was starting to identify for me. And remember, I'm talking about the small dreams here. I'm not talking about the actual issue that she started out with, which is a huge emotional issue. Okay. But for me, going through the house 
when I would stumble upon these small dreams, like I'm going to suddenly be a stamper. I am going to be the person who actually knows what to do and then actually, I don't know, does it with these stamps that I've collected, not collected, I'm sorry, bought an entire collection that somebody else was decluttering. But as I would get those, you know, I had to go through and identify, was this an actual dream for me or was this a really convenient creative spark that I brought into my home, but it wasn't actually a dream for me. I've told you the story before about the friend of mine who came to see me in the hospital when I had my second son, um, because I didn't get to have my shower because he was born on the morning of my shower. But anyway, so she'd come to see me. I don't resent that. I do a little bit anyway. So she came to see me and we're sitting there talking and she says something about, and this was someone very entrepreneurial at the time. I had no idea I had an entrepreneurial bone in my body, but whatever. So she comes in and she says, you were just talking and she says how much she would love to get a monogramming machine. And I'm like, I want a monogramming machine. That sounds cool. Like my mind starts going with the possibilities of what I could do with a monogramming machine. I mean, how cool is that? Right? Well, um, then she goes out and she actually buys a monogramming machine. And now she has a business like a full on business with employees, like actually has a storefront. I mean, like has a real store monogramming all based on that. Um, or was it embroidery machine? I, whatever they're called. You know what I mean? They make the monogram. So she started very small. She built, this is now a huge family business for them. Um, I think her website is custombabyboutique.com. Anyway, she makes beautiful, amazing stuff. She has this amazingly artistic eye, but she, I remember that and see, that was a creative spark and an idea of what I could be versus an actual dream of what I could be. Okay. The dream stuff for me was my theater costumes. Okay. I, I was a theater arts teacher, so I did used to use this kind of stuff and I loved collecting all those kinds of things. And that was a real dream for me to go. How realistic do I need to be about whether or not I should keep this stuff? Like, do I really, am I ready to say that I am done with theater? Now, I didn't end up saying I was done. Instead, I grasped this whole concept of containers and I limited it to the number of containers I could comfortably put in a certain space in my garage. And I limited the number of costumes and props and things that I kept to what I could comfortably put in the containers that could comfortably fit in the space that I had available to give to that stuff in my garage. Okay. Have I looked in those containers in, oh, I don't know, a couple years? No, I haven't. So could I go declutter those? Sure, I could, but we're functioning just fine because they have a space there. Now, as I go through my house, if I came across things that I really, really needed and I really did need to keep in a container and garage and the only space I had was those, then I would have to make that decision. But I did pare it down and bring it down to this point where it was contained and it was usable. But then there's these other things like I'm talking about with the dreams of things that could happen. So I'm going to read you part of this post that I wrote, um, in 2009 and let's see. Okay. I also decluttered this cabinet. 
It's the cabinet below my mixer, and it's where I keep the sugar and flour and such. The very outer edges of the cabinet get used consistently, and there are things like my hand mixer that are stored in there that get used a lot. But there are also a lot of things we never use, like that stuff. A special thing to grill fish and some fancy baking dishes. The problem? I don't really bake. A little, but not special pan kind of baking. But I got grumpy when I came across my springform pan. Springform pans are cool. They make canned cinnamon rolls. I'm sorry. They make canned cinnamon rolls look fancy. And I have dreams of doing more baking. Someday, I started feeling sorry for myself. Do I really have to give up all of my dreams and throw away every single thing that I don't use? I haven't used the springform pan in years because I didn't remember that I had it. And if I had, I probably wouldn't have been able to find it. Each of the unearthed items represents some great idea I had once. A dream of finding a perfect recipe and already having just the right thing to make it in. I'm willing to be realistic. I am willing to throw away the things that are just slightly different from something I have that I do use. But I don't want to give up all my dreams Then I kept decluttering and found that I actually had two springform pans. So I got rid of one and I kept one. And you know what? When my cabinet looks like this, and there's a picture of it decluttered, I think I can justify keeping one springform pan. Look at all that room. Okay, so that, it's funny to me because... So many of what I now have identified and verbalized as my decluttering strategies are in this post right here. Okay. It's the, did I know I had it? No. It's the realizing that you can make space for something you do want to keep by getting rid of things that you obviously don't need to keep or change that all to I, because this is all stuff I've done in my own home and figured out on my own stuff. But that's what one of the things that I had to realize, I had dreams, but I had an excess of dreams. Okay. I didn't want to get rid of the springform pan. It really made me grumpy because the springform pan represented the amazing cook I'd always assumed I was going to be versus the reality of having very young children and it being a huge big deal for me to spend a long period of time in the kitchen. And so that dream versus my reality, realizing, oh, I had a springform pan. That's really cool, but I didn't even know that I had it. And I've never used it in all this time. I knew that, yes, realistically, I didn't need it. But at the same time, getting rid of it made me feel like I was betraying the dream of what I was going to be one day, what I'd always thought I was going to be one day. Okay. So that was a real huge frustration to me. Um, but what I did here is what I now know to do, which is if there's something that I look at and I go, but I love that thing. Well, what else can I get rid of that I don't care about 
that actually leaves enough room for me to comfortably have that. You know, I don't have to just get rid of every last thing. The issue is me living within the container that is my house, realizing that the cabinets I have in the rooms that I have, the drawers that I have, those are the limits of how much stuff I can have. So if there's something I really, really want to keep, even though I probably, if I was absolutely heartless, like super neat, clean people are, if I would, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. Like, you know what I mean? Go back to what I said earlier. And that's what I'm talking about anyway. But you know, it, yes, sure. Of course I could totally justify getting rid of this, but I just want it. Well, make space for it by getting rid of stuff that doesn't make me feel like I'm giving up my dreams. Okay. That right there was huge for me. Um, other things too, sometimes, you know, a lot of it was, um, dreaming of hosting fancy dinner, dinner parties. Uh, my fine China, which I have an odd number of, because I got like, I think I got, I got some place settings for my wedding. So I have enough for, you know, our family plus maybe a couple more people. Um, but then I added to that, um, you know, buying stuff on eBay. I kind of went through this phase where I was constantly looking for it and adding to it. Um, but the reality is I rarely ever use that stuff. Like it's very, very rare. So I could probably say, you know what? You don't use this enough. Your white plates that you have are perfectly fine. So you just need to get rid of this, Dana. Well, instead I've got a spot for it and it's actually kind of a decoration in my home. I have a China cabinet, which is in a place that it totally fits and is not in the way of anything else. It's not shoved in and, you know, taking up space that something else needs. I've got a China cabinet and I stick that stuff in there and I can see it and it makes me happy every time I look at it. And guess what? I do actually use it. It's rare, but I do use it. Um, I could live without it, but it does make me happy and I do want to keep it. So the issue was making the space for it by getting rid of stuff that isn't emotional to me by, you know, yes, I didn't need to keep everything, but I kept the stuff that I loved. I kept the stuff we used. And then I got rid of the huge amounts of dishes that I didn't really like, but I was scared to get rid of because I was always running out of clean dishes because I didn't have a dishwashing habit. So, you know, there it goes back to that whole habits plus decluttering. They work together. They're codependent. Um, Okay. Other things too. Sometimes it's um, this idea of saving up versus holding, um, I'm sorry, holding on versus saving up. Um, Or I don't know. Forget what I just said. I'm not sure if that makes sense. But, um, you know, I would collect things on the idea that I might need them someday. Sometimes they were really dumb things. Um, like I collected Capri Sun boxes forever when my kids were little bitty because I had seen something somewhere and I thought, Ooh, you know what? My son could build my son who loves to build could build things with these Capri Sun boxes. He could make himself a little fort or a house. And so I started building them. I mean, I started collecting them. You know how many, um, Capri Sun boxes it would take to make a fort a lot. You know how much space that takes up a lot. Okay. And then guess what? He maybe played with them one day, but it wasn't his idea. So he didn't really care that much, but I was saving these things up and holding on to things 
on this idea of what might happen in the future when instead, usually if he got some idea that he would stick at, stick to for a day and just have, you know, a couple days and have so much fun, he would go around and use his own creativity to find what he needed and come up with an idea to do that. You know, so that thinking of potential possible ideas for use in the future versus actually just letting those ideas happen and then look around and maybe saving up what you actually need to be able to do that as opposed to having this huge mass of things that I've been holding on to forever on the possibility that I'll see potential in it in the future and instead it's just making my house a big disaster that's really hard to maintain. I hope that makes sense. Um, okay. I think I'm definitely going to go into big dreams on the next one because it's already at 24 minutes. Um, and looking at something you know, that's the same thing, like with craft projects. And here's the thing too, is for different people, it's different for my friend who has the monogramming business for her to get rid of her monogramming machine would be a huge, real major decision to make that would involve a lot of grief. For me, it wouldn't for that exact same item. So it's different for everybody. So, you know, for somebody who really truly is super crafty, for them to get rid of craft stuff could be giving up on the big dreams as opposed to the small dreams. So big and small dreams is different for everybody. It's like what gives you life? What gets you going? What makes you really truly feel alive and excited. Okay. The, the main thing that I have as advice on that, and this is coming from having done this myself, it's like with that spring form pan, it was a mass of clutter in that cabinet. I didn't know what was in there. I didn't even know I had a spring form pan, but knowing that there's baking stuff in there and knowing that I've always dreamed of, you know, being the wonderful baker or had this idea possibility dream of, oh goodness, well, good mothers are good bakers, right? Whatever. Anyway, but you know, having this idea and knowing that there is baking stuff in there meant that I equated going through that cabinet, getting started with that, with already having given up that dream. And because I didn't want to give up the dream, it kept me from going and tackling that cabinet. And so then nothing happened. And then I had too much junk. And then all the stuff that we did use all the time didn't have room to go. And it just was this ongoing bad spiral downward kind of a thing. So when I look at that, the main thing I've learned is to go ahead and go through it. Don't assume that everything in the baking cabinet is going to make me emotional because it never does. It's a massive stuff. And generally I look through it and I go, oh, well, this springform pan for some strange reason makes me emotional, but these rusty cupcake things that I've got six of that I've got plenty of perfectly good ones over here. Well, those don't make me emotional at all. And then I get rid of those. So it's like, oh, there's always stuff in there in the mass of stuff or the pile of stuff that isn't emotional to me. Um, and so going ahead and just saying, I'm going to just declutter, even if I don't do this perfectly, even if I don't make every last decision I need to make, 
I am going to go through this cabinet and get rid of the obvious stuff. And I'm going to take things that have randomly ended up in there that have a home somewhere else in the house. I'm going to take them where they go right now. And just going ahead and using those two decluttering questions, getting the trash bag, starting with the easiest of the easy stuff that it like, it's like, it helps me get going. That wheel gets turning and it's so much easier to make those decisions. And then I'm like, Oh, okay, well, this space is decluttered and I didn't even get to making decisions about the majorly emotional stuff that I thought was going to be majorly emotional. So if for, if for you, it's your crafts or your, um, your fabric stash or whatever, if you've had your fabric stash for 30 years, um, and I know this because my mom has been through it, then, you know, just, it's easy to think of it as a fabric stash. Okay. Or craft supplies. Where in reality, if you say, I'm, I'm not going to make emotional decisions today. I'm just going to go through and look for trash and look for things that are easy and non-emotional for me. Then it's like, oh yeah, I would never use this fabric. It's ugly. Or I can't, I have learned over the years that sewing this type of fabric, I can't stand it. It always drives me crazy. You know, and you're like, oh, well I can get rid of that. But when it was just one mass of everything together represented the one dream. It feels like I can't deal with it at all. And so it's paralyzing and keeps me from going in and starting on it. So saying, I'm not, I'm not going to worry about the emotional stuff right now, but I am going to go in and I'm just going to pull out the things that I don't want. Well, so maybe there's broken scissors or maybe there's one last thing from a project that you did before that you're like, yeah, I would never use that again. Okay. You know, and just diminishing that overall mass of clutter and that pile of clutter is shockingly effective. I'm not crying. I just kind of choked a little there anyway, but it's shockingly effective in how it helps me keep going. Okay. And then never underestimate the power of re-decluttering, meaning going through it now saying, I just can't deal with this right now. So I'm going to leave it, but I'm going to get rid of the obvious stuff. And then when you come back to it in six months or a year and you say, okay, I'm going to go see if there's any easy stuff. I can't imagine that there is because, you know, I already got the easy stuff out of there six months ago, but I'm going to go tackle it again. Cause it still drives me crazy. Then it's like some of that stuff that was really difficult six months ago, six months of time and realizing how emotional that felt six months ago. And then realizing that I've gone through life and used things And I have a completely different perspective on that stuff than I did the time before. And in the re-decluttering, it becomes so much easier than it was the first time I was trying to make a decision about this. I can't tell you how many times I have re-decluttered a space and come across something and remembered having been, oh, I just don't know. I just love this so much. Can I really, you know, and then the second time when I re-declutter it, I'm like, oh my word, why was I so worried about that? Because I know I haven't used it in that six months. And so me worrying that I was going to need it in the future and that meaning that I couldn't possibly get rid of it, then living the future and then going, oh yeah, whatever. I don't know why I was so worried about this. It's just shocking to me how it is. So my, my main advice is to go ahead, go through the stuff and get rid of the easy stuff first. Go ahead and touch it. Go ahead and make decisions even if it means sometimes you leave something that you think, oh, well, a perfect declutterer wouldn't have left this. 
who cares? You're you. You're not a perfect declutterer. I'm not a perfect declutterer. There is no such thing. Okay. Because what about the person, you know, the friend who got rid of those international dolls and then she regretted it later. She wasn't a perfect declutterer either. Does she declutter? Yes, but there's no such thing as perfection. Okay. And why even bother? Why try? You know, cause it only holds me back in things. Okay. So yeah, I am going to turn this into two podcasts. So I hope that you will join me next week as I talk about giving up on big dreams. I hope that helped though. Okay. A lot of the same concepts obviously will apply, but go ahead and listen to that one too when it comes out. Um, I wanted to, oh, those of you who are in our kindred spirits, Facebook group, those are those that is only open as a perk for those who are patrons at patreon.com slash a sob comes clean. For those of you who are patrons, um, of the show, uh, you can be part of that. If you have, um, filled out, okay. If you're a patron, make sure that you fill out the form that, uh, you can see through your patron account. Um, because that is how I will invite you to that Facebook, Facebook group, but I have invited people who are not yet members of the group. So I'm guessing that the reason for that is that you have not seen the invitation. Um, the invitation comes to the, the email that you use to log into Facebook, which I know is sometimes kind of hard because, Facebook just stays on all the time and you may forget what email it is. If you've ever been like me, I've done that before, um, that you used to log on to Facebook. So if you have filled out the form and you don't think you've heard from me, I promise you have, I'm actually doing amazing at, um, like keeping records of exactly when I sent the invitation. Um, so look in your spam, go to that email address, check that account because that's the only way you get the invitation because it's a secret group that cannot be found on Facebook. Um, unless you're a member, unless you've been invited, um, you will not, um, it's not going to show up in your notifications. I wish it did, but it doesn't. So go to that email account associated with your Facebook thing. As long as you filled out that form, if you haven't filled out the form, go find the form or email me and I'll give you the link to the form. Um, but if you have filled it out, make sure you go check your spam or check through your email on that account. Um, and if you can't find it, email me. Okay. And let me know, cause I am keeping track of who I have invited, but I am not keeping track of who has accepted the invitation. And just so you know, that's just, um, I'm never going to keep track of that, but, uh, but you know that you have been sent the invitation if you filled out that form. I hope that made sense. Um, if anybody is still listening, oh, and if you'd like to be a patron, we would love to have you in there. It's a very fun, supportive, loving, kind group. Um, Okay if you're still listening, um, there is a podcast I want to recommend. It is only a short series of podcasts, but it's called, um, making Oprah. And, um, I grew up watching Oprah and I knew that, like, I think she went national when I was in fifth grade. And so I would come home and watch it after school, which sometimes (laughs) some of the subject matter, as I like listened to this podcast and was reminded of so many shows that I'd watched, I'm like, wow, I don't know that I'd let my fourth grader watch that, but okay. Um, thanks mom. Um, she doesn't listen to my podcast anyway, but that is, it it was really, really fun. I mean, it was just, you know, it just kind of goes through the story of her 
creating basically this empire, which none of us can deny is humongous. Um, but you know, just from her beginnings and going through and kind of developing the show and figuring out the direction they wanted to go in the show. And it it was just really fun to me because I, like I said, I didn't realize how much I had watched, but as they were talking about those first few years, And they would kind of talk about a show and such and such that happened and how that, you know, kind of directed things as the show kept going. I over, I mean, basically every single time I was like, yep, I saw that. Yep. I saw that. I totally remembered that show and that person saying that, or do you remember the lumberjacks in Alaska? Do y'all remember that one? Anyway, where it was like a dating thing, finding lumberjacks in Alaska very funny to me anyway, but, but yeah, it was just, it was just really a fun, fun listen. I enjoyed so much. So that is something, like I said, I think it's maybe six podcasts or something like that. Um, but it's called making Oprah and just go to iTunes and search making Oprah or wherever you listen to podcasts. So thank you for joining me. I know I've gone a little bit long, but, um, this was podcast number 120. If you would like to get the show notes for that, just go to aceslobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and it will be linked there. So thank you. And I will talk to you guys later. Bye.